everybody, I'm Steve Weens, and this is my podcast where I explore humanity, spirituality, and mystery one word at a time. For more about my work, my writing, my books, my preaching, and all that good stuff, head on over to steveweens.com. Well, there you are. Hey, friends, episode 59. The word this week is palingencia. (laughs) We're bringing the Greek at you this week on this good word. And palingencia is used twice, only twice in the New Testament, once in the Gospels and once in the Epistles. And what this crazy, radical, beautiful word palingencia means is a regeneration, a new genesis, an utterly new beginning, or a totally new birth in a totally new world. So in these crazy days with four weeks left, if you're in the United States here, we are staring down the barrel of insanity uh, with this presidential election that's coming up where there seems to be no good options. And the level of hatred and fear and polarization and isolationism seems to be growing and growing. And people are bunkering down and leveling each other from across uh, the social media spectrum with all kinds of violent rhetoric. There is a vision that I want to talk about today of a new birth in a new world. I want to talk about a new genesis, an utterly new beginning inaugurated by Jesus. Not something that's going to happen sometime in the future, but something that was ushered in by Jesus. His life, death, resurrection, and ascension, and especially in his teachings, which I think we've largely misunderstood. So we're going to talk about that today. It's going to be so fun. It's going to be a little radical. It's going to be um, reaching way back into the past and reaching way forward into the future. It's going to require us to see the world and each other and Jesus with some new lenses. So buckle up, folks. But before that, I want to let you guys know that my good, dear friend Aaron Lane and I are co-hosting an event that we're calling Genderful here in St. Paul, Minnesota on Saturday, November 12th. We are very excited to do this in these days of quote-unquote locker room talk. We want to raise the conversation between men and women so that we can see that each one of us are made in the image of God. We read in Genesis 127 that God made men in God's image and God made women in God's image. So within the image of God, we see all that is fully masculine, all that is fully feminine, and then some. So Aaron and I are going to do a one-day retreat. It's going to involve journaling. It's going to involve discussion. It's going to involve teaching. And our hope is that men and women can gather around in a room and learn how to see each other, learn to sort of discover maybe some of the destructive uh, stereotypes that we've held about one another and forge a way into the future. So you can get tickets on my show notes or by just going to steveweens.com slash events. And this good word fans, if you register using the coupon code, this good word in all caps, just no spaces, this good word, you can receive 25% off. So there you go. 
I want to throw a little love your way to my This Good Word people. Hope you can come Saturday, November 12th. All right, folks, um, I want to quote something from Richard Rohr's book, Jesus' Plan for the New World, this crazy uh, little book that I got a hold of. I think it was published over 15 years ago, but it's Richard Rohr's thoughts on on the teachings of Jesus, especially the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount. And it's, I just, I'm just taking it little bit by little bit, little chunk by little chunk, and I'm loving it. It feels like breath in my lungs. It feels like a vision for the future that I can get a hold of. So what, what Richard Rohr says about Jesus here in his teachings is this, and I quote, Jesus was undercutting the system of human society refusing to take it seriously while continuing to love and serve it. I'm going to read that again because that's, I think, so radical, so compassionate, so holistic. Jesus was undercutting the system of human society, refusing to take it seriously while continuing to love and serve it. And the system, like anytime Richard Rohr says, anytime you read the words, the world in the gospels, like when, you know, Jesus says the world does this, but the kingdom of God does this, you can insert the synonym system, the system. So what is the system of human society doing right now? I think in general, it supports those in power, support those that are, that, that want to continue to be in power while those on the bottom continue to suffer. I don't think that's a one party over another thing. I think the Democrats do that. I think the Republicans do that. I think the independents do that. I think that human society, as it relates to the system, especially consumeristic, capitalistic society, which isn't the worst, but it certainly uh, isn't resulting in human flourishing on all levels. The system is designed to keep those who are in power in power, to keep those who have having, and to keep those who don't on the bottom. That sounds simplistic. Uh, we, we hoped for a kind of trickle-down economics to happen. We haven't seen that happening. I know many people who have so much money who are very generous. But in general, the system that Jesus came to undercut is a system that is designed to keep those in power in power and to keep those who are oppressed oppressed. A quick example of that in the Gospels is when Jesus comes into, into Jerusalem the week right before he comes to die. And the first thing he does is goes into the temple. It's really fascinating. And we read that he overthrows the money changers and uh, that he gets a whip and whips that thing around. Doesn't say that he whips anybody. That's important to note. But it says in his anger, uh, you know, he overturns the money changers tables. And we can imagine coins clattering over the marble floor, the brick floor, whatever it was. And in our you know, 21st century consumeristic Western minds, we imagine that he's maybe selling Michael W. Smith CDs out there, the, these, these money changers. <laughs> and that's why Jesus is mad because you're not supposed to sell Michael W. Smith CDs at, in, the, in the church lobby. This is not what he's doing at all. What, what is happening is 
the temple leaders are have devised a system where um, they inspect the spotless lamb, which people bring so that the priests can butcher it, so that they can offer sacrifices for their yearly atonement. And the temple leaders have devised this system where they inspect the lamb. And in order to make money, they say, your lamb isn't spotless enough. But you can buy a spotless lamb that we've pre-inspected and pre-approved and we'll sell it to you for this amount of money. Now, this little family has traveled for days and days, maybe weeks and weeks, and they've raised this little lamb from the time that it was born. It's become almost a family pet. It's very difficult even to offer it for sacrifice, but that's what they do because they're faithful and they're poor, and they have made this pilgrimage to Jerusalem because that's how they believe they get right with God. And the very people that are supposed to open the doors to them and say, you are right with God, are saying you can't be right with God until you give us money that you don't have. And so in order to buy a new spotless lamb that's been pre-approved by us, this is the system that Jesus is coming to subvert. This is why Jesus gets unbelievably mad, angry, raging even, when he sees people, religious leaders who are supposed to be throwing the doors wide open to people who want to meet with God at the house of God, when they're making it so that only wealthy people can come and so that they're making it when so that they get even wealthier by throwing open the doors of God to certain people and not other people. This is all over the prophets. If you want to read more about this, check out Ezekiel 34, uh, where the prophets are unbelievably incensed with the religious leaders of the day. So Jesus was undercutting the system of human society which is designed to keep those in power in power and those who are oppressed oppressed. He refuses to take it seriously while continuing to love and serve it. And that's what's so radical about Jesus. Anyone can try to subvert a system by um, using violent means, um, by seeking to throw down uh, with violence those who are um, oppressing others with violence. But Jesus, this is what's the most radical about Jesus' message, is that he comes into this human society that is um, designed to keep those who are in power in power and those who are oppressed oppressed, and he continues to love and serve it. Here's another quote by Richard Rohr in this beautiful book, Jesus' Plan for the New World, which I'll put a, a link to if you want to purchase it on Amazon on my show notes. And I quote, Jesus is not presenting a new program for human society. Uh, Jesus refuses to, to accept society on its own terms. He refuses to offer allegiance as it is. So with four weeks left to the election, here's a bold word. If you are voting Democrat or Republican or Independent, that is fine. Either one of those are great options, honestly. You need to hear that, even for Christians. Thinking Christians are voting all over the spectrum on this one. Voting Republican, voting Democrat, voting Independent, vote your conscience, but here's the deal. Don't think any of those platforms are going to usher in the kingdom of God. They won't and they can't because they're inherently tied to the human society of power. They just are. Now, again, politics are important. 
The political system is important. The government is important. It's there to protect our society. And it is a good thing in as, in as far as it does what it does. But it cannot usher in the kingdom of God. And that's why, honestly, I've been personally uh, making a few statements here and there um, against a certain against the Republican nominee, and it's not uh, because I think the Democratic nominee is great or even any better. It's because I read seventy eight percent of white evangelicals like me are voting for Donald Trump, and are and which that is again that is okay. It is okay. Please hear me say that. You want to vote for Donald Trump? Vote your conscience. More power to you. What I, as a pastor, will critique, though, is when there's a fusing of the kingdom of God and any political party. Do not think that Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, uh, Jill Stein, Gary Johnson, or anyone is going to usher in the kingdom of God. They're not. And I get quite angry, actually, when I hear people talking talking as if one of, either one, either one, but one of the political parties is ordained by God to usher in God's dream for our country. <laughs> That's laughable to me. Uh, again, that's not about one party or over another. That's any political party. If you want more on this, if you want more on that kind of thinking, and I'll include this in the show notes as well, please read Greg Boyd's book, Myth of a Christian Nation. Dr. Greg Boyd, he's a pastor here in the Twin Cities and a friend of mine, and it's a fantastic book. And if you feel your hackles beginning to raise right now, I think that's a good thing, honestly. I would say... Um, wrestle with that notice oh like if you hear me saying the up any political party cannot usher in the kingdom of god and that makes you angry what i would just say is and you're a christian <laughs> what i would say is i am i don't apologize for causing that in you but again my job is to critique as a pastor my job is to critique part of my job is to critique any religious system that is aligning itself with any one political party with the hopes or with the beliefs, I would call them mistaken, that they're going to usher in the kingdom of God. That God has somehow endowed one political party over the other with the anointing to usher in God's kingdom. It's not going to happen. It's never going to happen. It doesn't happen that way. So here's some reflections, um, if you're still with me. Um, some reflections on this idea is that a totally new birth and a totally new world has been inaugurated already. It's already happening. Jesus and his life and his teachings, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension, all of which I would put my eggs in that basket, all of my trust and belief in that basket, um, it's already begun, it's already happening, and you can join it. Uh, you can put your allegiance in the kingdom of heaven 
which is what Jesus taught and inaugurated when he was alive, when he died, and when he rose again. There is, I believe, a time when all things will be finally made new in a complete and final way. I believe we're not there yet, but I also believe that it has already begun. This totally new birth and a totally new world has already begun. But it's going to involve, in order for me or you to participate in it or to continue to participate in it, it'll involve a death. It'll inevitably involve a death. Sometimes it's a death to allegiance. Some of you have been uh, through this and it's really painful where you've woken up and you've realized that you had an allegiance to a kind of a cult-like organization, maybe family, that taught a certain thing about God or about the way the world works and you found it to be utterly untrue and even unhealthy that would cause more suffering than it would alleviate it and you had to break your allegiance to that. Maybe it was a church, maybe it was a denomination, maybe it was a political party. I'm not sure what it was for you. I know for me, there've been several, um, and these deaths are always painful, but a totally new birth and a totally new world inevitably involves a death. Jesus came in Luke four is so fascinating. If there's any confusion about what Jesus came to do, Luke four, he comes out of the wilderness. So he, the, the succession of events here is he gets baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan river. Then he goes into the wilderness for 40 days of fasting where he's tempted by Satan and he's ministered to by God. And he comes out of that. And the next thing he does is he goes back to his hometown of Nazareth. He goes into the synagogue. This picture this small little room where everyone knows him because he grew up there. He finds the scroll and he finds Isaiah 61. And this is quoted in Luke chapter 4. And he says, and he reads it. I have come to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, sight to the blind, so that the oppressed can go free. It is this radical message of liberation. It is literally a, um, a new beginning, a new birth in a totally new world. Because what he says at the end of it is, he says, today this scripture is fulfilled in your midst. And that's what was so, like, that's what made people want to kill him afterwards because they couldn't believe the amount of audacity he had to say that. But that's why I believe that that new beginning in that totally new world happened at that moment. And it was underscored and really emerged at the resurrection of Jesus when he announced to death that it didn't that it no longer had the last word his resurrection says that a totally new birth and a totally new world can never be stopped and so that's why like there there are there are those of us i think like like some of us honestly will need to be treated for ptsd after this political cycle honestly we're glued to facebook we're glued to twitter we're glued to the news and we're just seeing uh and, and when we see the two candidates that are vying to be president of our nation fight each other and and uh, treat each other as not even human beings, we are filled with a kind of hopelessness. And if that's all you look at, if that's all you listen to, if that's all you do, what I want to tell you is you are missing some of the beautiful things that are happening in this beautiful new birth and this totally new world. 
I just ran the marathon this last Sunday. Man, it was a hard race. I, I bonked at about mile 21 or 22, and I was walking for part of it. And But I did it with uh, a bunch of other people here in the Twin Cities who believe that part of this totally new birth and this totally new world involves writing things that are wrong. And one of the major things that are wrong in this world is that nearly a thousand kids die every day under, under the age of five simply because they don't have access to clean water. So um, a few hundred of us uh, in the Twin Cities here, mostly from churches, but some not from churches, mostly Christians, but some non-Christians, came together and ran the Twin Cities Marathon and raised, I think, over $800,000 to provide clean water for, um, so that would be for about 8,000 kids for a lifetime in communities in Africa. That is a totally new birth and a totally new world, and it's happening. And people are running the marathon and raising money and doing some very small suffering to alleviate the very big suffering all around the world. I have some friends, John Huckins and J.R. Swigert. They're leading an organization called the Global Immersion Project. And what they do is they take people from different churches into war zones like Israel and Palestine so that people can learn about peacemaking. They can learn from both sides and learn to follow the teachings of Jesus uh, so that they can be peacemakers in their city, in their church, in their family. And our church is partnering with them, and it is a beautiful thing. I'll give some, I'll put the, um, the website of the Global Immersion Project on my show notes. They're doing a beautiful, humble thing. I was just with another pastor here in the Twin Cities yesterday. Her name is Steph Williams, and and uh, we had a conversation about a bunch of things. And then at, at, at the end of it, she was like, hey, Steve, I, I want to ask you to pray about something. And she's involved in a beautiful organization called the Sheridan Story here in Minneapolis. And what the Sheridan Story does is they provide food for uh, kids who live in poverty because um, over the weekend, when kids aren't at school, many of these kids don't have anything to eat or don't have much to eat. It's, it's, it's radical. I mean, here, right here in Minneapolis, gang. So the Sheridan Story has uh, organized this way to put food in kids' backpacks on Friday afternoons so that these kids, it's dignified, it's beautiful, um, so that kids have some food over the weekend. And she told me about this one school in North Minneapolis that uh, has um, 50 kids uh, who need food over, over, over the weekend. And I asked how much that was going to be. She said, yeah, it's, you know, it's $12 a month per kid. $12, gang. That's like two trips to Starbucks. <laughs> That's your Spotify subscription. All of which are good things. Gosh, I, I go to Starbucks. I subscribe to Spotify. I mean, I'm not trying to be holier than thou. I'm just saying you could probably find 12 bucks, right? So um, I'm thinking about that. I'm praying about that. Um, what to do with that. Uh, beautiful things are happening in this beautiful new world. You guys, a totally new birth is happening in a totally new world. It's happening if you have eyes to see it. And it's happening inside the church. It's happening outside the church. It's beautiful. So part of what I want you to say, it, 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 a totally new birth and a totally new world, world requires a death, but it also requires a new vision, new lenses through which to see the world. If you're only seeing the world through the political lens, 
And again, politics are important, gang. Vote your conscience. We need good governors. We need good presidents. We need people that are going to do what the government does well. But, but don't think the government can do what it was never designed to do in the first place. So it requires a death. It requires new lenses. And I also think, gang, it requires a new allegiance. And this is where it hurts. This is where we got to dig deep and get really honest and say, what is our allegiance ultimately to? Is it to a denomination over Jesus? <laughs> I know that sounds weird, but um, is it to a political party over Jesus? Um, I, I don't know what it is, but Jesus is forming a new world that is robust with diversity and Jesus is empowering those who will join him in his vision that he outlined in Luke 4, which is sight to the blind, setting the oppressed free, which is basically subverting the system that is in place, which keeps those in power in power and keeps those oppressed oppressed. Jesus started something 2,000 years ago that is continuing to this day. And if you have eyes to see it, you can see it and you can join it in ordinary, small ways. First, you got to die to the old allegiance, to the old addiction, to whatever it is. A new birth requires a death. A new birth requires new vision, new lenses. What are you seeing? What are you spending your time on? What are you focusing on? What are you giving your energy toward? If you're on Facebook all day and you're noticing that you're experiencing stress, anxiety, because all you're doing is looking at the headlines and looking at the comments, Get off of it, gang. Honestly, check in once a day, check in once a week. You're not going to miss anything. Let me give you an update. It's still bad. <laughs> People are still disagreeing and fighting. Um, you know, and, and I think it's, 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 I've joined it because I feel passionately about certain things. Um, but then I get off of it. And I remember those 50 kids in North Minneapolis, $12 a month. I remember those kids in Africa who need clean water. I remember, um, you know, some of my friends, some of my LGBTQ friends who are hurting, uh, who came out yesterday. I remember it's just, it's like, bring your lens, bring your view, bring your vision to a place where you can see that the new birth is happening in this totally new world. It's inaugurated by Jesus and you can put your allegiance in this person named Jesus, who's so much more than an idea. Uh, he's, he's the force that's bringing palingensia to the world. Say it with me, palingensia. Means regeneration, a new genesis, an utterly new beginning, a totally new birth in a totally new world. So gang, I'm going to leave you with that. Uh, I've spoken for longer than I thought I was going to talk for. I want to remind you uh, to, as you engage in this political season over the next four weeks, express your views. Uh, but be kind. Be compassionate. Uh, try to see what the other person is saying. And you know what? Here's the thing on Facebook. Honestly, uh, I... Mostly, if someone disagrees with me and it's respectful, I engage that because that's that's part of what it's about, gang, even if it's like passionate and fiery. 
if it's sarcastic, if it's dismissive, if it's overly aggressive and demeaning, mean-spirited, I delete those comments and I don't feel bad about it. And you should too. Don't lose sleep over those trolls. Okay, gang? Engage people who really want to know. And and no one's going to do it perfectly. You know, you might get dinged a little bit. I mean, if you express something on Facebook, someone disagrees with you. I mean, don't, don't be shocked by that. Um, engage the people who really want to engage. That's what I've been doing this last week. And it's been really, really good. Uh, a few people, and it's really only a few, only a few, um, don't want to engage. They just want to poke fun at your view or they want to be uh, dismissive or weird. And you know what? I just, I feel really okay deleting those comments. I really do. So that's, that's a final word in that. I, I think, um, what I'm trying to do is so much bigger than Facebook and so much bigger, uh, than politics. I'm actually trying to join the work of Jesus in this palingencia, the new Genesis, the utterly new beginning, a totally new birth and a totally new world. That's why I write. That's why I speak. That's why I do this good word. That's why, um, that's my, that's what I'm doing in the world. Um, so if you want to join me in that, I would love for you to join me in that. If your heart is beating fast in that, awesome. Find your groove. Find the thing that you do. For me, it's words. It's getting words out there. It's writing. It's preaching. It's podcasting, blogging. Uh, find your groove, find your thing. Maybe it's building things. Maybe it's creating art. Maybe it's poetry. Maybe it's making food. And uh, maybe it's uh, coordinating peacemaking between two different groups of people. Maybe it's teaching. Maybe it's, maybe you're a library, uh, librarian. Uh, I don't know what it is. Find your groove and join the work of Jesus. Break your allegiance to lesser things that just can't bring in the power of, of, of the kingdom. And, and, you know, you know what those things are. They're necessary, they're good, but they're not going to bring in the kingdom of God. So break your primary allegiance from those things. Um, I would include any denomination in that. Denominations are great. I love my denomination. But in and of itself, just it, it's not going to usher in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is much, 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 much bigger than my denomination or any political party that I may vote for or not. All right, sermon is over. Uh, love you guys, in it together. I uh, want to remind you about Genderful. Again, use the coupon Use the, uh, the coupon code ThisGoodWord for 25% off. And uh, we will see you next week. Uh, we are dust and breath. We are limited and limitless. We are human and holy. And my friends, we are in it together. Can